You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa, the lead economic development agency for Canada's capital. We teamed up to produce this special series to celebrate women leading in Ottawa for International Women's Week. In support of its women founders and owners strategy, Invest Ottawa offers programs and services that enable and accelerate the growth and success of women entrepreneurs from every walk of life. Visit www.investottawa.ca slash women to learn more. This is the first episode. People would say the same thing with me. They're like, how did you get to be a fashion designer when you were a Broadway dancer? I'm like, because it's the same. It really is just the product. A business owner is one thing. A fashion designer is another thing. So a fashion designer is an artist that can be any sort of art, whether your art is business, your art is fashion, your art is fitness, your art is selling courses, whatever it is, that is your art. That's not your business. So a lot of times we get mixed up with our talent, thinking our talent is our business. Our talent is not your talent, it's your talent. And that's great. And you got to harness that and hold that. But what actually makes that talent sell is the business and the business can sell anything. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi Hailey and today I am here with the incredible Stacy Martin. Stacy, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am beyond excited to have you on the show. I've been aware of the work that you're doing for a number of years here in Ottawa and as you would travel across the world, um, you know, working on your business and really kind of reinventing what fashion and luxury fashion looks like. And so I just wanted to thank you for the work that you do and also say congratulations on all of the recent and uh, developments that you've made as well. Thank and so, so much. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, for the audience, I wanted to give you a little bit of an introduction before we dive into this episode. Stacey Martin has been in the entertainment and fashion industry for nearly her whole professional career. Um, She started her career as a Broadway dancer and professional performing artist. She also founded Kania Couture Inc., which was her fashion startup for 15 years. Kania was recognized by many high-profile entities like New York Fashion Week, World MasterCard Fashion Week, and Project Las Vegas. Uh, today, Stacy is the founder of Stacy Martin Lifestyle, which is the Canadian luxe loungewear apparel company that really pushes the boundaries of fashion by combining sustainability, comfort, and style. And if you've ever tried, you know, a piece of her clothing, like I remember talking to uh, Sonia, who is basically you know, head of marketing and comms at Invest Ottawa. And she said, it literally feels like I am sitting in clouds as I wear Stacey Martin's clothing. And last February the 16th, Stacey went through the process of a capital raise for her business. And they closed successfully on May 16th, 2021, set a target of a quarter of a million and exceeded that. They raised $285,000 for her business. And I am beyond excited to have you on the show. I would love if you could start by telling us a little bit about your origin story and kind of how you grew up, where you grew up, the whole nine yards. Absolutely. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> it's so great. Um, but yeah, I'm Stacy Martin. I grew up in Ottawa, Canada. My family is from the Caribbean. So my mom was born in a small island called Nevis and my dad, St. Kitts. They're actually sister islands, but uh, my parents came here. I was born in Canada. Pretty much a typical child, though I loved and was very creative right off the top. I did competitive dance my whole 
my whole life, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Competitive dance, I did track and field, competitive soccer. So I was very much into competitive sports and arts. And then in school, I was an average, <laughs> average type of student. And um, yeah, that's kind of it. That's sort of how I started. Just a lot of ambition, a lot of drive into knowing what I want to do from a young mm-hmm. age. I found the kind of like the difficulty was that I didn't know anybody who did creative avenues, yeah. creative arts as a job back then. So I just kind of took my own course and that's kind of brought me to where I am. Yeah. And you talk a little bit about, you know, never being in a nine to five role, never having a typical job. And I'd really like to explore that with you more of taking the non-traditional path, especially considering, you know, you didn't have people maybe in your family or in your close circle that you could reach out to and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. You've done it before. What did that look like for you? What advice do you have for me? So what were some of the early days like for you as a dancer? My mom would always allow me to be the creative that I was. She always saw my passion for dance, my passion and my expression, even for fashion when I was younger. And she would never stop that. I think that's kind of where I got to where I am today because my mom was so not like the normal parents. (laughs) Not like normal parents. Go to school and learn this thing and get straight A's. She wasn't that person at all. She was more like, have a lot of fun, live your passion, live your dream. And that's kind of where I feel like I was really able to get to where I was because of that. And not having a nine to five, it wasn't something that I planned. It was just sort of out of high school, I auditioned for a theme park. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to do this for a job for the summer to be dancing on the stage for the summertime. And I got the job. And that was great. And then I thought, I'm going to go back to school at this time and get a real job. And then I auditioned for a cruise ship. And then I got that job. And then I left for six months on the cruise. And then I thought, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get a real job. Because I never really thought that the creative entrepreneurship can be a real job. I thought Mm. that you had to get a real job. It was difficult because I never had anyone to look up to who has done this before. But I was just very much rooted in my own intuition and my passion and what I loved. Um, I guess one of the major advantages that I have in myself is that I just go for it. If I want something, I just say, okay, well, I'm just going to try this and I go. And I don't really hesitate much on things. I don't overthink things. I kind of feel like as I got older, I started to think of things more and have more hesitation than when I was when Mm -hmm. I was young. And I would just do because I wanted to. And I felt like that was authentically who I was. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think, you know, having parents having a mother who really encouraged you to explore anything that kind of piqued your interest or curiosity really probably fueled a lot of that um i'm gonna try it and i'm gonna see how it goes and if i like it wonderful um didn't, well, i'm gonna cut you off for a minute but even when i didn't want to do it she'd be like just go what are you waiting for she she really mm-hmm. and the thing is she didn't do it she wasn't that person herself but she really always would say go do this. Don't stop doing that. You know, I would say, but I have to go and get a real job, mom. And she'd be like, no, you're doing this now. You're in this space now. You're good at what you do now. Keep doing it. And that was really, really pivotal for everything that I've been able to accomplish thus far. Mm -hmm. Wow. And as I mentioned in your bio, you started off as a Broadway dancer and a, you know, performing artist. Can you talk a little bit about that lifestyle what it was like for you obviously you started pretty early like as a kid and so can you talk a little bit about your entrance into that space and what it was like doing that for a number of years 
Yeah, so my entrance wasn't typical. I was auditioning just because I thought it was fun. I wasn't actually auditioning knowing that I was going to be getting on to Broadway. I happened to be in Toronto for the summer um, just after I got off the cruise ship and I thought, oh, there's an audition for, there was for the Lion King and for the Saturday Night Fever. And I thought, let me just go for those auditions. It'll be fun while I'm here. I was staying with a girlfriend. And four days later, I got the call from Saturday Night Fever and the casting director said, you got the job, you're moving to New York City. And oh, so wow. it was kind of like, oh my goodness, <laughs> one of those like, I'm moving aware, you know? So um, it was a lot at the time because I was, I'm not American. I do not have an yeah. American citizenship. I don't have American actors equity. So there was a lot to do hmm. um, because a Canadian is not allowed to work in America just like that. The casting director, they hired me without following all the rules specifically. And then, so I had to find a way to get my Canadian Actors' Equity so I can get the reciprocal agreement to be able to go to New York City within like, I had like four months to do it. It was pretty crazy, but again, it was just part of that journey. Like you, you were given something, an opportunity to have something, and it was sort of like, you're given it, and you're gonna, they're gonna take it away if you don't find a way to make it happen. So I got an agent, I found an agent, got a Canadian Actors' Equity, then I moved to New York City. Culture shock, complete culture shock, <laughs> especially coming from Ottawa at uh, 17 years old. It was a lot, it was um, crazy, but um, yeah, it was amazing. Probably some of the best times of my life. Wow, I didn't realize that you were 17 when you moved to New York. I'm actually there now, which is so funny that, you know. I was going to say, I was 19 when I moved actually to New York. I was 17 when I moved on the cruise ship. Yeah. Because New York is a jungle. And so the fact that, you know, you moved out here, you made it work for you. I'm wondering how all of those experiences kind of translated into you moving into, into fashion and really exploring you know, this other very artistic and creative, but also business oriented field. Yeah, so I loved fashion since I was little. As I was going to dance class and playing soccer, I was also sketching. I was the girl who couldn't watch TV, mm -hmm. I still can't. I always need to be busy, so I'd be sketching all the time, making dresses. I would go to the fabric store, buy fabric, make my grade eight grad dress and my high school graduation dress. I was that girl. So I, fashion was always a thing that I loved. And when I moved to New York City, and I obviously was a dancer in New York, I loved my dance clothes. But whenever they would ask you to go audition for something else, they'd ask you to sing or to act, and you had to put on regular people clothes. But at times, then you had to go and dance again. And I thought, why can't I have clothing that allowed me to move, that can look good, that I can do my acting and my reading or singing or whatnot in, but I can also dance if they need me to dance. And I thought, why do we have fashion that's so uncomfortable and fitness that's so sloppy? Why can't we blend these two things together? And I was like, I'm just gonna make it. And so I literally went to the fabric store, I got some sweatshirt material, and I was like, I'm gonna make a dress out of sweatshirt material because this is what I need to be able to wear. And I did, and then I kept making more things and people kept asking me, how, how did you make that? Where'd you buy, where'd you get it from? Really was the question. And I, I was like, I made it. And it kind of started growing from there. People wanted to buy the clothes off of me. Wow, that is, that's fascinating. And there are so many stories or businesses that stem from people asking questions about, I don't know, maybe something that you created that they didn't know that you created. Um, and you really identifying like a gap just off 
the stage of life that you are in and what you yeah, needed. Yeah. To businesses really get created, honestly. What are you lacking in your life that you're like, why, why isn't this, why don't we have something like this? Huh. So what was the process to actually say, I'm going to start creating this for other people and, and go down that route as well? Was it, did it take yeah. a number of years or... It did take some years, but it was only because I was dancing at the same time. So it wasn't my full-time commitment. But I started to understand and realize that as I was in New York and traveling, I toured the U.S. as well. So it was about four years of my whole time. And I was like, I can only dance for so long. This is going to end, you know, because my body's going to get old and it's not going to be a thing. I was always kind of forward thinking on that. And people kept asking me to buy clothes. And I thought, I'm just able to do something that's creative, do it when I want to, and sell them clothing. And so this was like kind of my very first thought of being a business owner. And then I was going to yoga class and I happened to be in the classes wearing my stuff or going into the class. And the yoga director said to me, what I love what you have on, where did you get it? And I said, Oh, I made it. And she said, really? And she's like, could you make us a line for the studio? And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course I can. And I just said, yes. And then I remember going to yoga and I came back home and I, I was in Ottawa at the time visiting my mom. And I said, mom, this studio just asked me to make a line for them of my clothing. And I said, yes. Wow. And she said to me, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, well, now I got to find a business name. I got to go buy a proper sewing machine. Wow. And I literally from there started the business. That's incredible. And you've gone through a couple iterations of the business. You know, you've, you've been at New York Fashion Week, you've traveled everywhere for a lot of the brands that you've built and, and are currently working on. Can you talk us a little bit about uh, Stacey Martin Lifestyle Inc. and what it is exactly you're working on today? What What has yeah, the business so evolved into? I had done Kenya for years and I did trade shows. I've done fashion shows. It was really successful. We were able to generate a million dollars in sales just based on selling in this kind of grassroots format over the years. And then a business advisor had met me after he watched my Toronto Fashion Week show. And he said, you know, he's interested in investing in me. And I had a couple of meetings with him. I started talking to him about what my dreams are and my goals. And when he had asked me to put together a proper proposal, I, it was all about like, oh my, I dream this and I want to do that. And there was nothing actually business to it other than just my passion, my marketing angles and my guts. And he started to say, you know what, I'm going to, if you can do this for me, bring it back. You know, I want to see how you do. And every week I kept bringing him things back. And then he says, I want to advise you. I want to be able to help you in this capacity to actually be a business owner. And so he taught me not by like actually school teaching, but teaching me things that are fundamentally necessary to know as a business owner that I did not know before. I was just successful to make it because I have, a lot of passion and drive. So when I was making Stacy Martin Lifestyle, it was really about bringing attention to female leadership, to black female entrepreneurs, and to actually giving opportunity to women that don't have this, who never had it. You know, and I think that a lot of the times I could have probably went way further faster if I would have had some of this knowledge a long time ago. So part of the company now is about having people understand that they can go there too. If I did it, you can do it too. It doesn't just have to be in entrepreneurship. It can be in whatever you want, whatever your dream in your life, but it's good to find somebody who, 
who you know who's done it. And it's good to never let yourself lose your innate instinct to what you actually really love and have passion towards. Yeah, you talk a lot about purpose and going there. And I remember when we had a conversation earlier this week, you talked, you were talking specifically about women and how over time you may lose the sense of what your, you know, greater visions are for your life, what you want to create, what you want to build, how you want to support other people. And so can you talk a little bit more about the pain point and like the gap that you are ultimately filling through some of your courses that you're going to be coming out with as well? I think that so many times, especially as women, we have all these lists of things that we should be doing or people that we should be helping or what we should be doing at our stage in the life that we're in right now. And I think when we get muddled up with all those things on top of us, we lose sight of who we really are and what our purpose is. You know, you get to high school, from high school to university, college or whatnot, what are you going to do? What's your job going to be? Are you going to get married? Are you having kids? And like all these things come all on top of you. And then you're like, what is it that I want though? Like, yes, I still love my husband and my child. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I feel people walking like shells because they're just going through the motion of their life and all the things that they're doing in their life, that they're not actually doing what serves them and what sparks their fire and brings them ultimate joy. So Stacey Martin Lifestyle is about making clothing that they can be comfortable in, that they can feel powerful in, beautiful, sexy, whatever word they want to you know, feel with those clothing on, and then actually go towards what matters most to them. And, and, and be comfortable. And then I always say my other tagline is remember where you wore me because I want you to remember where you wore me. Like make it magical, make it memorable. Don't just say, I don't know, <laughs> the years went by. And I was like, no, you, you remember the things that were experiences that were impactful. So I want you to make an experience that you actually cared about and wear my clothes while you're doing it. I don't know why, but as you were saying that, a memory came up. I remember when I was working in like, you know, the corporate environment when I was in university and I would spend a little bit of time kind of talking to people on the, on the same floor. Yeah. And I remember asking some individuals like, Oh, like how long have you been here? You know, what have your experiences been so far? Just getting to know them. And I kid you not, the amount of people who had to think and almost as if it was like a shock to them how long they had been there without even realizing was was staggering to me. And it, it, as you were mentioning that, that came up as a memory, but it just speaks to sometimes the complacency that's out there and people not really moving with intention and thinking about what their next steps look like and and what they actually want to be doing and how they can make that possible. And there's this quote, which I think would really resonate with you, Stacey, uh, by James Clear. And it says, I'll read the quote. It says, vision is the bottleneck of talent. Most talent is wasted because people do not clearly know what they want. It's not a lack of effort, but a lack of direction. There are many capable people in the world, but relatively few that focus on what matters. Yeah. Can you speak to this and like what came up for you? Not just about, I think when we think about creativity and we we get so much, it gets so big. We're like, well, I'm not the best artist or I'm not the best, you know, dancer or whatever. We can get all these negative things that happen in our minds, but innately we all have that 
thing in us. And our routine of life gets us bombarded into not even tapping into that thing that is so purely us. And mm -hmm. I just feel like at the stage that I am in my life, that is, I want more of it. And I want to say for the girls who are younger than me, I'm like, listen, ladies, <laughs> we got a long way to go. And I want you to hold on to it when you have it right now. I find like when I was 17 and 20 years old, I had way more fire, more purpose, more passion. And then it became like, oh, but I have to do this and I got to do that. And I got to do this for that person and this for that. And I thought, why? Yes, we'll still get those things done. But can I carve yeah. some time out to understand what I truly love? And who do I love doing that thing with? Maybe it's just myself. But at the end of the day, if I can feel for like an hour in my day, or maybe that month that I can remember something impactful, like you ask somebody what they did last month and they can't remember. Sometimes yeah. they can't remember if they did anything last week. They're like, I don't know. Like, what did you do? I don't know. And I'm like, you didn't do anything. <laughs> like something that made you get emote, you know, just something. And they don't know. And it's not their fault. That's the thing. It's not our fault. It's because all the obligations that we have in life, and then I feel like all the external messages from social media and everything else that are just, you know, we feel like we're not good enough to just do it, but just do it. Take the dance class, go to pottery, go for a walk, maybe it's skiing. I don't know what it is for you. For me, I was building this business, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I never knew I was such a bookie because I never went to school. And now I love to learn. Like I love I, reading. I never was a reader. I love reading. I love educating myself on how women empowerment is going to be great. Like I just feel so passionate about it makes me come alive and that's my thing i also love dancing saying like there's certain things and like find that thing that helps you to go through your life were there certain i don't want to go to a process because i know like processes don't always fit for like there isn't a one size fits all especially in this case when as you mentioned when people are thinking about their creativity or even purpose like these things are big questions and I think there's a fine line between it actually being quite dangerous and maybe people becoming crippled at the idea that you know I need to have this big purpose that I'm working towards and really having a lot of like uncertainty around that but how did you get clearer around what you wanted to work on and because I think we all have that voice it's there I, I, I think it might be on volume two for some on volume 30 for others, but how did you really cultivate that within yourself? I think it came from pain. I think it came from not achieving what I wanted to achieve and by externally looking like everything looks amazing. And then at that point I was like, but what is it that I want to achieve actually? Like, what is the purpose here? Is it just to be like a better fashion designer? Is it better, like, what is it? You know, and then it was at that point that I was like, no, my purpose is helping others. It's always been making people light up. And it wasn't until I had to stop and understand that like not being successful at something wasn't a bad thing, it was almost a blessing. And I mean, we, we mm -hmm. think about failure and we don't want to fail because, oh gosh, if I do it wrong, it's not great. But it actually is sometimes the most beautiful thing because you understand what you really want in that moment, whether it's a failed relationship job, whatever you want to call it. It's like when you're in that place, you realize what you actually want. 
So I think that's kind of what helped me. And then from that place, I was like, this is what I want to do. So how do I do that through the avenue that I'm still in? You know, I don't think we have to be so you know, stressed out about finding our purpose. Because if we do that, then that's just adding to another one of the burdens and obligations that made us, you know, get this way in the first place. You know, so I don't want us to always feel like, oh, I have to find it. If I don't find it, it's not there. But I think naturally we have it. And if we can just look back to when you were a child, what did you love? What made you happy? I think we all, if you look at children, they have it naturally. They'll be like, I don't want to do that. Yes, I love that. I don't want this. I don't want to eat that. They, they know what they want. We all were there one time. Just sometimes you got to go back and be like, oh, I used to love this. Mm. Maybe I can love it again. Yeah, there are so many questions that we could really ask to put us in a position where even if you don't have the answer immediately, start like brewing and brainstorming and thinking through what that, what feels right for you. It's not about not thinking so much. We also live in a society where it's like, figure it out. You got to figure this out. Everything is just so structured in a like like a math equation everything is a math math equation equation. (laughs) like I don't know about you but I I dropped calculus (laughs) you know I feel like sometimes when we don't think it's like imagine when you're like trying to recall somebody's name and you're like what was that person's name again you're thinking 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 about the person's name and you can't remember what their name is the moment you stop thinking about it it comes I feel like sometimes we don't think and you just happen to be walking down the streets of New York and you hear some music and you're like, oh, I like this. And they're like, I actually love to dance. Like, it's just something will come to you when you're not thinking about it. Or when you're in an area where this is hard, do I even like this? That's really uh, powerful. And I'd love to switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, talk about, well, what you mentioned earlier about the person who came to you wanted to advise you in your business and kind of mentor you in that way. I'd love if you could share a little bit about how this has helped you in your business tangibly and any lessons that you've learned so far working with someone in this capacity. Yeah, astronomically, it's helped me. I naturally have the drive and the ability to do it, but I wouldn't say I would ever get as far as I'm going to get without his guidance. So his name is Adam Myron. He is um, the co-founder of HexoCorp, which is a medical or is a marijuana company. They sell all sorts of products. But um, his company was able to gross a billion dollars in six years. So he has this book called The Billion Billion Dollar Startup. And he basically Mm -hmm. has done it. He started from nothing. So what is really good for him seeing me and me seeing him is that I see somebody that I'm like, I can be like you. And he sees me and says, I, I was her, you know, and just like, that's something that's very, very interesting. But I think finding someone who can be a mentor, finding someone who's done it already. It's like asking someone about the movie who's never seen the movie before. We spend so much time saying, oh, hey, Naomi, so do you know about the do-do-do-do-do? And I'll tell you all the stuff. And then your best friend will be like, oh, yeah, what you should do, what you could have done. And you're like, your best friend doesn't know. She does not know. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think find the person who's done it. Find the person who's already watched the movie. They've done it already. They have so much more knowledge because they have been through those experiences already. It's not that it's going to make your life 
easy. It's not going to make it easy, but I feel that a lot of times we're asking questions to the wrong people. So what Adam has done to me or done for me, it's not that he's training me in terms of like, I have a book and I'm doing any kind of studying, but he'll ask me questions about like market share, target market, or even capital raising or having a CFO, financial advisor, all these things. I was like, what the, I don't even know what you're talking about. I had all the numbers in my head. As he asked me the questions, then I go and I research them. But he wouldn't be asking me those questions if he hasn't been through it already. One of the strongest things with anything, it doesn't have to just be in business specifically. It could just be with anything in a, in a friend, you know, something that you're going through in your life specifically. It's always best to ask someone who's been, who's been there. I'm curious your thoughts on business mentorship, business advising, um, because he's in a completely different industry. And so what has it been like learning from someone who maybe didn't build a fashion business, but, you know, has built a startup in another field? They're all the same. And it's like, people would say the same thing with me. They're like, how did you get to be a fashion designer when you were a Broadway dancer? I'm like, because it's the same. It really is just the product. A business owner is one thing. A fashion designer is another thing. So a fashion designer is an artist that can be any sort of art, whether your art is business, your art is fashion, your art is fitness, your art is selling courses, whatever it is, that is your art. That's not your business. So a lot of times we get Mm -hmm. mixed up with our talent, thinking our talent is our business. Our talent is not your talent, it's your talent. And that's great. And you got to harness that and hold that. But what actually makes that talent sell is the business and the business can sell anything, anything. Like you, you get a really good business owner and it doesn't matter. You see, sometimes, sometimes you look at, you know, fashion designers, you look at these companies, you're like, how, is, how are they the fashion designer? <laughs> they're not that, no offense, but they're not that fashionable, but it's because they're the business owner. They own the company, they're hiring a fashion designer to do the fashion. It's the business owner who can actually sell, whether it's selling food at a restaurant or selling courses or clothing. It's, it's really the business stuff that I feel like I was lacking predominantly to be able to grow the business properly. That's an important framework and way of, of seeing the business world for sure. What was it like raising money and going through that whole process on top of running your business? <laughs> it was crazy. It yeah, was probably the most nerve wracking time of my life. And I'm, you know, naturally good at being a performer. So I thought I can do this. It's just raising capital. It's not that complicated. I kept thinking that I started to, I changed the name of Stacy Martin Lifestyle. Kenya went to Stacy Martin Lifestyle. was just a name change. It wasn't a full company change because we had enough intellectual property with Kenya. I changed the name because no one could pronounce it. It was like Kenya, Kanaya. That's where it started. So I thought Stacy Martin Lifestyle is going to raise capital for this company. I kept thinking COVID was going to be over and I was going to get my pitch deck and I'm going to pitch my company to them like almost like a dragon's den sort of style or shark tank. It didn't work like that because a lot of the businesses wouldn't even look at me or take me on if I was interested in actually pitching to them. So I couldn't get there. So I found a company called Front Funder and Front Funder allows for people, regular people to get equity into your company by doing a, like a crowdfunding. So that's what I did. So I signed up for that and COVID never ended. So I had to do everything digitally. So basically the way I'm talking to you now, I did pitches every single day, pretty much every day to different people for different denominations from $250 all the way up to $30,000.
people were investing in the brand. It was the most nerve wracking. It was, I would say the time that I was one of the most vulnerable in my whole life because mm -hmm. I'm now doing something that I'm not, I don't know. I've never done a pitch before, a financial pitch. This is not just me marketing pitches. I got that, <laughs> but right. an actual financial pitch, I'd never done it before. Now doing it to your peers is something. Asking them for money in COVID was something. It took a lot of guts and it was just a matter of you just have to jump. There is no safety net. You can't read more. You just have to stand there, know the money that you're going for and just do it. Create a strategy, yes. Know how many people you need to pitch to in a day. Try to get some sort of system in order, but you have to just do. And I think that is like the lesson of that was the lesson for everything in business. You can have the most beautiful art, the most beautiful fashion. You can have anything that like your, your course plan, whatever you're doing can be incredible. If you don't do it and push it to the people who are going to buy it, yeah. you don't need it. So Get, getting in front of people, can you take us behind the scenes a little bit and talk about what, how meticulous the process was in terms of preparation, maybe how, like email sent, um, how many hours a day that you're spending in, in terms of refining it? What did all the preparation look like? If I was doing it again, I would have a very clear path as to what that looked like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you what the clear path is, but how I did it was just a run, girl, run. <laughs> like it was like, holy smokes, you need to get this, just run. Ask everybody. That's the method that I actually did. Um, the method that I would do, and I would like to tell you and the rest of anyone who's listening, is to actually pre-plan at least two, three months ahead of time. I pre-planned in terms of what my company was going to be and I pre-planned my pitch deck and my what I was going to say and all of that kind of stuff was pre-planned. I didn't have a pre-planned as to how many people I was going to pitch to a day and for how much. So if you want to try to get $250,000, it's just simple math. How many people do you have to pitch to to get that amount? And knowing that not each and every person who you pitch to yes. Right. And the lowest amount that they're going to invest is $250. So then that's just the math. It's just really simple math. And so when I used to be like, oh, I don't like math, it ended up being like the math is the savior. It's not, it's not anything that's scary. It's just telling a narrative of the story. The story is that I need $250,000 and I need that by May 16th. I've got 90 days to do it. How many people do I have to pitch to? That's it. So I literally broke it down and I did have big like ideas because I thought, oh, I'm going to pitch to this person and they're going to give me 10,000. So I started pitching to a lot of the bigger or not a lot of, but I started to get like angel investors and they were all interested in listening to what I had to say, but they weren't investing. So I felt like I was wasting my time, not wasting my time, but spending more time on that component where I was actually getting more of a return on people who were, who were investing like a thousand 2,500 was more of my sweet spot. So I started to shift more into, these are more people in the community who trust me and believe in me, right. who have been there from the beginning, not people who don't know me and who are only hearing about me for the first time. Hmm. So you broke it down in the process into its smallest parts and then said, okay, tangibly, this is what I need to do in a day, in a week. So you made it like so attainable that all you had to do is be consistent with that, right? Sort of. 
<laughs> I'm gonna say all I have to do. It it is a lot easier said than done, but that oh, is Oh for sure. Sorry, I didn't mean that and to undermine. No, 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 don't think you were undermining me. I'm just saying like that is that is the system though. If you mm-hmm. actually try to raise, and this is not just about raising capital, this could be for you know selling your dress to whoever you want to be if you're a fashion designer. You have mm-hmm. to know in order to sustain my company, sustain my business, how much money do I need at the end of the month? To sustain that okay so my month is five thousand dollars a month is what i actually need then how many pieces of clothing how much does my clothing cost and how many of them do i have to sell and i think if we when you break it down and make it simple it doesn't get overwhelming mm-hmm. and i think overwhelm is like it's the natural killer in us and for everything for business for anything that we're doing when we get overwhelmed and ah, i don't know what i'm doing right. you start breathing it's like anxiety comes on and you just it just it's not doesn't have to be that complicated we just got to break it down into small states bite-sized steps you know for whatever so capital raising is a monster it is but i know if i were to do it again or i am going to do it again at some point put it down as to how much money do i want to make and then break it down. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if you said, okay, on Monday, I want to I pitch to 10 people, the potential of those 10 people is only going to be $10,000 if all of them say yes. Could be more, but most likely that's as much. And then you go back and you say, okay, that day only made 5,000, which means next day I need to sell to more people or add more people on to that day. And then it's like, okay, so then Tuesday, you know, when you get and you get more people, don't stop. Don't reward, <laughs> get happy. When on Tuesday you sold more and you're happy about it, don't just sit there and rejoice. Let that be a little bit of a bonus as you're going into the day after, mm-hmm. you know, so that it, you, are, you, have a, you have a little bit of a buffer. Thank you for sharing a little bit about the process and what it was like. And I'm really excited for what this process looks like for you the next time that you go through it. And honestly, it will probably be less intimidating seeing as though you, you know kind of what you're walking into this time. Um, so I'm curious also in terms of, you know, working with different stakeholders in your business. You talked about the marketing pitch as like you've been doing that since the beginning, right? You have that very much down pat. What is the experience of selling your ideas to people who are maybe meeting you for the first time? Like what space mentally are you getting into so that you could really share your vision with with new people um, people maybe that you've you know have come across your work in some capacity in the past that's really your job as ceo is to sell a vision for the path forward what you're looking to create and how you're going to get there so um do you have any like pieces of advice for people who are maybe going through the process of, of selling their vision their ideas for sure and it is be yourself and I know it's going to sound cliche and I know it's going to sound like that really what she's telling us, <laughs> but honest to goodness from doing it, the people that invested, invested in me yeah. at the stage that we're at, when we're going to get capital, when you're going to sell your first product, when you're going to sell whatever, the people are investing in your passion and your drive and your tenacity and you, it's you. So you are your package. You are your branding ability. We can spend a lot of time being like, oh, well, the, you know, the system of this thing and the mechanics of what it is and the, you know, for my stuff is eco-conscious. And I was at the beginning, I started talking about all the like stuff and I started to kind of, you know, 
not be me. I was like, hi, good afternoon. My name is Stacy Martin and I'm selling this thing. And I was getting more technical on the things and I lost the me. They're buying you at the beginning. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you have to have good product. And the moment that you can understand that and get comfortable with it, you know, I have in the courses that I'm building is that I have all these like SM things. And one of them is being self-made and people used to say I'm self-made and I was like, Ooh, I don't really like that because you need help. But I find it's so important to know that we actually are self-made because no matter if you imagine yourself being a runner and you have the best shoes and the best outfit and the best coach and the best everything and the best plan and you have everything together, at the end of the day, it's that person that has to run the race. That person and that self, that to me is yourself. When yourself is so strong, you can believe in yourself. People believe in you too. That's what happens in business. So even if I had like all the things together and everything is beautiful, it doesn't matter. They mm-hmm. want to know that they believe in you, that you can do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, and have that conviction as well that they are making the right decision, right? Saying yes. And if we doubt ourselves, how will they ever believe in us? Right. It's right, like right. if you, you know, if you're, it's like you're going to the restaurant, you're like, oh, I like that, you know, plate of food. <laughs> and the restaurant owner's like, hmm, it's okay. <laughs> like, you don't want to buy it. You don't want to buy it. Because they haven't told you that that plate of food is so good. You know, it's like our, when they say, oh my God, it's so good. It's made with this and that, and it tastes like this, and it's going to make your mouth salivate. You're already like, oh my God, I want to buy that thing. Same thing in business. So let's say the more things that we can break down and simplify, it makes it way less daunting and way less overwhelming than if we just say, oh my goodness, we're doing a capital raise and how do we do this and what do we do? If we just break it down and say, no, it's me. This is about me. You don't know me because we're all individual and my individuality is my superpower. So I'm going to go show you what that is and my product is fashion. How I do it is fashion, but the, yeah. yeah. How how my instrument that I'm using at the moment is fashion. Mm-hmm. And you're going to buy it because you believe in me and you like my clothing line, but you're believing in that person, mm-hmm. what they're capable of. Yeah. Thank you, Stacy. Thanks for being here. Um, thank you for sharing a little bit more about your story. I'm curious, before we wrap up the episode, um, I like to ask people about, doesn't have to be necessarily directly in your industry, but things that you have been really curious about lately, maybe in the past couple of months, things that you have your eye on, whether it's in fashion, whether it's in the entrepreneurial space, um, what's intriguing you right now? Going out. (laughs) What's intriguing me is going out. Can we go out? (laughs) Can we get out of this bubble of craziness? That's what's intriguing me. Travel. Travel? That's my honest to goodness sense. It's traveling. It's getting out of the city. I love to travel. And it's not the answer that you're probably looking for. But I, I love to travel. And I'm like, when I feel like, once again, coming back to business, when you are your most authentic self in you, everything else comes in alignment easier. When I'm traveling, even when I'm just driving for a long drive down the road, all, I get flooded with ideas, with inspiration. I have the music playing. It's, it's just incredible. So that's what's intriguing me, just to get kind of movement and flow back into my life. Mm. Where will you go? Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go somewhere hot, somewhere hot. 
Actually, yeah. um, before we wrap up, big, I remember watching a couple of your interviews. You talked a little bit about where your parents were from at the start of this conversation. And for folks who are interested, I'll have the link to Stacy's pitch for her business. You recorded a lot of it and it had like a, a theme of being literally in paradise on the beach. And so can you leave us with a little bit about the feelings that you are evoking through your brand and through your products as well? Yeah, so I shot those those videos in, in Nevis. So Nevis is the island where my mom is born. And I really just wanted people to feel the sentiment of what Nevis is. And when I go to Nevis, to me, it's like magic. It's like time stands still. It's effortless. It's sustainable. It's, it's just this way of freedom. And so I have an official collaboration with the island, which is great. But what I wanted to evoke through my clothing is that when people put the clothing on, they can feel that same sentiment. So even if they're not actually in Nevis or transported to anywhere in the world, they can put the piece on and feel that sense of comfort, that sense of beauty, that effortlessness that comes with being on the islands. I love that. Thanks for taking us there. Of course. I wish we could really go. (laughs) I'm excited for, for when you get to, you know, be on a beach again. And thank you so much for being here, Stacey. I'll have the, all the links for where people can find you. What's the most direct way that people can kind of connect with you and, and your business? Yeah, so people can connect on Instagram probably the most. So our Instagram handle is Stacy Martin Lifestyle, and my personal one is Designer Stacy Martin. And then our website is StacyMartinLifestyle.com. Awesome, wonderful. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of The Power of Why. We will catch you in the next one. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa, the lead economic development agency for Canada's capital. We teamed up to produce this special series to celebrate women leading in Ottawa for International Women's Week. In support of its women founders and owners strategy, Invest Ottawa offers programs and services that enable and accelerate the growth and success of women entrepreneurs from every walk of life. Visit www.investottawa.ca women to learn more.